Alright, welcome back to, anyways, back to The Godfather, episode two. Here Yay. we are. <laughs> um, before I get started, I have to clarify something from the last episode, because it bothers me, but I know it won't bother anybody else, but when I was editing it, I was like, that was the wrong word to use. So, when I was talking about The Godfather, I said that there were a lot of accidents in it that like made it so great, and what I meant to say was that there were a lot of things that Paramount and the studio fought against that uh, wouldn't have been as great if they had won. So, like, they didn't want Coppola to direct or Al Pacino to be in it. So just things like that. And uh, that's why The Godfather is great, is because there was, like, intentional fighting on the part of Coppola and Brando. And, again, nobody cares about that except for me. But I have to (laughs) clarify that. That there weren't accidents, that it was intentional, and that's why it's brilliant. Anyway, okay. Now, getting into this month. For the past month, we've been doing Cinemonth. How many times can I say month? (laughs) Um, This started last year, and it was because I was in this, like, dearth of dressing up. And I was like, I want to do something with movies that we can look forward to. We can dress up for it and have a treat. And so then Lauren and I worked together to create Cinemonth. And so this is the second annual one that we've done. And basically, there's we watch 14 films within a month. And we pick seven genres, and we each pick a film uh, for those seven genres. Then we have to recreate the poster, and the person who picked the film has to bring a themed treat. So we're going to recap our cinema, which means that the person who picked the film is going to recap or in- like introduce the film, but spoiler-free. And then talk about why we picked it, and then we'll both give our rating out of five stars, and if we recommend it to people. And at the end of the episode, we're going to give our top three favorite films. So... We'll just go in chronological order, which means number one was Lauren's pick. Okay, so I picked The Prestige. I think it was under the category of, like, mystery. Yeah. Um, I picked it because I've been looking at like an internet movie database app, and it's got top 250 favorite films. So, like, the highest ranked out of all the IMDb members. And The Prestige was on there, and I just watched Tenet in, I think I watched it in November, maybe. And that... Christopher Nolan also did The Prestige, and I hadn't seen it yet, so I chose that one. Summary, it is about two magicians living in England, just kind of their rivalry about who's the better magician, and um, there's lots of twists, and it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it 4.5 stars. Me too! Out of 5. Yeah. Um, I, I hadn't seen this for a long time. I have seen it before. It was really fun to watch it again, and as I was watching it, remembering what the twists were and what happened. And it's very well done. I don't love Hugh Jackman, but he does a great (laughs) job in it. (laughs) I do love Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I, it's, it's a really fun one to watch. So, would you recommend it? Yes, I would. Same. I also love Christian Bale, and I think he does even better than Hugh Jackman. I think he does really... It's not that hard for me to agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) But he's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, it's a good one. All right, the next one is Temple Grandin. I picked this one. It was the biopic genre, and it's about Temple Grandin. It's about her life. My (laughs) general philosophy about films is the less you know, the better. So mine... Um, and Larnie did a great job with it, too. Like, I just don't want to talk about these films. And I started to write down what I was going to say. I was like, how do, like, I don't want to say anything about this. So anyway, <laughs> Temple Grandin <laughs> is autistic and it's just about her life. But it's so brilliant and well done and everyone does a fantastic job in it. Um, 
the reason I picked it is I had seen it before, but not for a really long time. And I remember loving it. And so I wanted to watch it again. And I also, I wanted to show you it because I thought it was well done, but also because of cows, <laughs> even though some die in the process, but I gave you ample warning. So, um, and it really, it just reminds me of my sister, Becky, because she loves this film. So I always associate it with her. And I was talking to Emma, actually, and Emma loves Temple Grandin. She like oh, knew about her before the movie. And then she watched the movie. She was like, oh, this is wrong. <laughs> oh dear. But I mean, like as all biopics do, right. you know, anyway, I gave it five stars. I was going to give it five stars, but I had to take 0.5 (laughs) off in principle because of the cow deaths. (laughs) Which, Um, I'm surprised only half a star was lost to that, so. Yes, I wanted to give it five, but uh, if a cow dies, I have to take off at least half a star. (laughs) (laughs) And I would recommend it to all. No caveats there. Yeah, I had had no idea what it was about. I was like, why did Rachel take this weird movie? It didn't win any awards or anything. But I loved it so much. Almost made me cry in the end. Oh, man, it always gets me. (laughs) Uh, It's just super uplifting. Yeah. Such a good story. Next one is also my pick uh, for musical, which is Guys and Dolls. And (laughs) my summary about this was, it's about people who like to gamble, sing, and fall in love. (laughs) And there are also two 1950s strip club scenes, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're not (laughs) expecting this. (laughs) Um, We came for Marlon Brando. That's literally the only reason I picked it. And Frank Sinatra. Okay, well. I... You came for Frank Sinatra (laughs) as well. I think I put it on our list of movies to watch because it had Frank and... And Marlon. Mostly Marlon Brando, though. Right. Um, I gave it two and a half stars. (laughs) (laughs) I gave it three. Yeah. I'm not a huge musical person. Mm. I don't know if it's just because I didn't grow up with them. Like, there are definitely some that I love, but I think I need to... I always come into it with the wrong attitude of, like, I'm going to come for a great plot. And it's really about, like the music and the dancing and the singing. And that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think I come into movie musicals with the wrong idea. So I would recommend it for those who like musicals and haven't seen it yet. Ryan Hatch, shout out. Or fellow Marlon fans who are committed to seeing his every film. (laughs) (laughs) And he does a pretty good job of singing. It's fun to see him in a different role than what he usually is. And he dances for like... Oh, he does dance all the way. (laughs) Two minutes. It's amazing. Yeah, he does a good job. I liked it. I just thought it was really fun to see Marlon Brando and Frank Sinatra together. It's true. I, I haven't seen as many Frank films as you have, so I don't like have I this. I love Frank. <laughs> I don't have this love for him quite like you. But I, I love Frank I because him. my mom loves Frank. Oh. <laughs> We've grown up listening to Frank's music, and, oh, and he's Italian. And what can I say? <laughs> and his name is Frank. <laughs> yes. Oh man, we had quite a slew of my picks. The next one is Honeyland, which was my documentary pick. So I was like, how do I even begin to summarize this film? And I looked up, I think, what's in Letterboxd, and it is like, the last female bee hunter. And I was like, I didn't even get that she was like, one the of the last, last one. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a documentary that does what documentaries do best, which is catch the unplanned drama and chaos. And it's really about like relationships between people, whether they be familial or neighbors or like kind of strangers and it also did what the documentaries do why i watch documentaries is broaden my understanding of the world and show me something that i was completely unaware of (laughs) (laughs) it takes place in like eastern europe i think they said a country in it but i forgot like close to turkey yeah um and it is just like oh my gosh such a different life that is so far removed from how i operate within the world and 
it wasn't really about bees, which was very disappointing for me. (laughs) (laughs) Too many bees for me. (laughs) But uh, the reason I picked it is because I thought it was going to be all about bees, and it was also (laughs) nominated for Best Documentary last Mm -hmm. year. And I still really liked it, even though I was slightly disappointed. Um, I gave it four stars. I gave it three and a half. Just because it stressed me out. <laughs> I was going to say, I recommend it, but it's not for people who have bee phobias. <laughs> She's like reaching in the beehive with nothing on her hand and there's bees climbing yeah. all over the place. There are like bees sting a lot of people throughout the course of the film and there's a lot of buzzing. So if you hate bees, probably don't watch this one. <laughs> but yeah, it's really, the cinematography is beautiful yeah. and it's just cool to see this woman's life and yeah, it's just totally different from our lives. And you just get so mad at the right. things she goes through. Right. You feel for her a lot. So, yeah, it's really cool insight into someone else's life. Next pick was Grave of the Fireflies that I chose for animation, mm-hmm. I think. This was another one that was the Internet Movie Database top movie. I think it's in the top 50, actually. It's one of really? it's pretty highly ranked. Wow. But it is, it's not Miyazaki, but it is Studio Ghibli. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I can't remember who the director was, but kind of Japanese anime film. It's about two Japanese kids kind of trying to survive during World War Two. And I thought it was really cool. I don't know. I feel like I've seen a lot of movies about World War Two in Europe, and this was about people living in Japan during the end of World War Two. It's not about like the atomic bombs that's kind of what people might think going into it but there are like air raids and stuff but uh it's it is heartbreaking yeah (laughs) this was probably this for me it was the saddest one of cinemas but i knew that going into it like i was doing research and everyone was like this was the saddest move i've ever seen (gasps) this is what i watch when i need to have a good cry stuff like that but i don't know i still think it's heartfelt and it's really beautiful the animation is so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I gave it four and a half. Mm, I gave it four stars. I do feel like if you watched it again, I think it would be sadder just because the way that they like structurally set it up. And this maybe some of these like really devastating moments happen pretty early on before you kind of know the characters. I would recommend it. I think it's really well done. I think I really like, and it makes sense now that you say it's not Miyazaki because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I like it, but I kind of like watching Miyazaki to challenge my understanding of how a story is told. And I like that most Miyazaki films don't have, like, a standard narrative. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what deterred me a little bit, is I was like, oh, there's, like, a really recognizable... A plot. Yeah. (laughs) Which is good, and I really, really liked it. I think I just look forward to having more of that Eastern Japanese influence of, like, challenging my Western point of view. But Mm -hmm. I really, really liked it. It's very, very sad. And I think we warned everybody who watched it with us, except for my mom. (laughs) She was like, (laughs) after it was over, she's like, what the heck? She was like, that was a downer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it does end on a very, well, no, it ends on a happy-ish note. And I don't feel like we're spoiling anything, because like Lauren said, literally everything about this film that's been written about it is like, this is so sad. But I also enjoyed it. I was able to find for the treat... In the movie, they eat these little fruit drop things that are these Japanese famous things. And I was able to go to the Asian food market and find some. So yes, it was really it was fun best. to eat those while the, the characters were eating. I'm so glad you said something about it because when I was preparing, I was like, oh, I've got to remember to talk about this because sometimes our treats are like a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first 
Those treats weren't awesome for the first one. <laughs> no, they were awesome, but... Right, no, we make them work, but this one was so perfect, and the fact that you went to all these efforts to get them, it was... It, you won Cinema Month with that. Wow, I'm so honored to win. <laughs> okay, the next one is my pick for a Best Picture winner, and it was Ordinary People. This is Robert Redford's directorial debut. It's about parents and their child and how they deal with a hard, complicated, and especially for the 80s, a very taboo past. I've really not heard anything about this. The only reason I picked it is because Johnny, the old Disney Club president, recommended it to me. He loved The Godfather and so when I was telling him like, oh, I finally watched it. He was like, have you seen Ordinary People? And I was like, no. (laughs) So fast forward like three years later, I finally get to watch it. And I'm surprised people don't talk about this one. I absolutely loved it. It was so good. Yeah, I feel like everyone does an incredible job in it and the cinematography is beautiful and everything just really comes together. I gave it five stars. I loved it. I gave it four and a half. I don't remember why I didn't give it five because I loved it. Yeah. But yeah, I think probably people don't talk about it because it is about ordinary people. Just kind of an ordinary story about a family and the struggles they're going through. Yeah. So, like, not a lot sticks out, but I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the role of, like, the therapist in it. And Mm -hmm. I felt very uplifted by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much about downer subjects, but it's very thought-provoking as well. This is one I kept thinking about for a while. Mm -hmm. So I really recommend it. It is R for language. It is under like 10. Yeah, there's There's like like a slew. There's like one part where he says quite a few in a row. Yeah, but that's literally the only thing. So um, it is on VidAngel, but I would recommend it. Everybody listening to this, I would highly recommend it for all of you. Okay, the next one was... In the category of rewatch, last year we decided we wanted to rewatch one, so we created that category. <laughs> I think it's because we loved Butch Cassidy. That was our rewatch. Yeah, we right? wanted to watch it again. So, oh, and I think I wanted to like have a treat with it and dress right. up with it. So, yeah, yeah. This year for rewatch, I chose Taxi Driver because um, towards the end of last year, I started watching tons of Robert De Niro movies, <laughs> and I became obsessed with him. Oh. And I wanted to rewatch this one because he's so young in it, and it. I think he won best... I don't know if he won best actor for this one, but he was at least nominated. So I wanted to remember his role in this movie. Well, and we did watch this together, but not in person. So oh yeah, we watched it over Netflix at right. the same time. So it's about a taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> a guy who lives in... Is it New York? Yeah. Lives in New York and drives a taxi. And he doesn't sleep very much, so it kind of starts to go crazy, but... <laughs> <laughs> And it does get kind of violent at the end, but, and I think there's language too. Yeah. But I think it's well done, like, it's, it's Martin Scorsese, I think. Mm-hmm. The cinematography is beautiful. Yes. Um, Robert does such a good job. I and love his descent into madness so I much. Know. <laughs> the famous, you talking to me, it's from this film. So, if you've ever heard that quoted, Taxi Driver, now you know. Yes. I would recommend it. Oh, I gave it four stars. Me too. Mm-hmm. Originally, I gave it three and a half, and then when I was reviewing, I was like, why does it, it deserves more than three and a half. More than that. Um, yeah, I recommend it for people who really like film. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the average person would really like it. Yeah, it's not really the best, like, it's not a very captivating story. Yeah. But it is just really cool. I don't know, the techniques he uses are really cool, and yeah. the color is really beautiful. Yes. Oh, man, I, I tell people... 
if I ever am having problems falling asleep, I should just watch the first, like, 15 or 20 minutes of this film. Because <laughs> when he's driving around and the rain-soaked neon is... Oh my gosh, it's some of the best scenes in film. So I feel like if you like Scorsese and you like De Niro, you should watch it if you're not that interested in them. Or you should just know what you're getting into before you watch it. Don't watch it for the plot, watch it for their amazing techniques. Yeah. All right, now it's time for a word from our sponsor. Okay, our sponsor today is The Seagull Man. Uh, <laughs> I have to give some history on this. So. Oh my gosh! I can't remember, I think it's when... The live-action Beauty and the Beast movie came out. I, for some reason, YouTube brought up the Miranda Sings, uh, the first song in Beauty and the Beast. She made a video of that, and so I watched it and was, like, kind of obsessed with it for a while, and I would sing, like, Miranda sometimes when Rachel was my roommate. And so then one day she was like, I have to show you this video of when Miranda Sings breaks character. And so we were watching this video of her doing some live performance in England, I think, in the United Kingdom. I haven't thought about this. <laughs> and we were watching it, and I don't know, it's kind of funny. Like, she's laughing at this little boy who's just being <laughs> hilarious. But the guy in the background who's filming, he's making the weirdest noises. Like, he's laughing in the weirdest way. And then you look down at the comments, and everybody's... I'll read some of the comments to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to just watch this video, <laughs> but let me just, so Miranda's, like, performing, and then he's, she's rudely interrupted. <laughs> he just, like, breathes in, and the worst way possible. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's it, the last one. 6.36. The time, 6.36. So we died listening to him. And we wrote it on our little chalkboard, single man, 6.36. Because we loved him. And all the time. I started laughing like that. Like, I started going, <laughs> every time I laughed. <laughs> I think I still do that sometimes, oh but my gosh. all the comments are hilarious. They're like, I'm so glad the seagull had such a good time. <laughs> and the, this dinosaur man had so much fun. <laughs> or I think, <laughs> I think whoever's laughing like a dying seagull needs to go to the hospital. <laughs> Just all the comments are about the guy who filmed it and Instead not of, about Miranda. Which is like this pretty big deal because she like doesn't break character that often and he is taking that away from her. <laughs> he's upstaged her. <laughs> so yes, he's our sponsor today. Oh my gosh, I love that. And then we put it to the Pocahontas. Oh yeah. At the very <laughs> end when it. it was like mounting. I, <laughs> I mean, know, it, I'll have to find that video while we're talking and oh. we can listen to it at the end. Oh wow. You told me that you had a great one. And I was, like, writing down ideas of what to do for future sponsors, and I never thought of this. <laughs> I that was, was re- such a treat. I had to rewatch it so I could know what to say about it, and I was passing away. Oh my gosh. I was like, Mom, listen to this That man. took me back to Brownstone 12 yes. in our little room. The purple room. One of our first memories. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. Moving on. I don't know how we can. <laughs> this one's yours, too. Oh, yes. I'll keep talking. <laughs> okay, so the next choice was Bonnie and Clyde. I think this was under film... Like, gangster. Noir, gangster. Yeah. 
So, I chose this because, well, it's on our movie poster of 100 essential films that we needed to watch. I think it also is a Best Picture nominee. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it won, but it was a nominee. So, it's about Bonnie and Clyde, kind of how they met and their lives together. Um, and I gave it a four out of five. I thought it was entertaining that the... And the film was cool, like it was well done. Yeah. I get four and a half, which seems a little bit generous looking back. I don't know, I feel like it was well done. It feels very much in the same vein as uh, Butch Cassidy, mm-hmm. which I like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid more. I do too. But I think the, the cinematography is really fun in this one. Like, I feel like they did a lot of cool shots with this. And talking to your mom about it after, about the one lady who's, like, hysterical The one that actually survived. Yeah, who's, like, really upset with her portrayal. I don't know, maybe that factored into it as well. But I'd recommend it for people who like westerns. I I really enjoyed watching it. And this was also probably our best poster recreation. I think so. (laughs) Although the lighthouse that I just did is also, like, very excellent. Oh, I'm so excited to see it. (laughs) Okay, the next one is the international film pick, and I chose Roma. This uh, follows the experiences of a maid in a wealthy Mexican family um, and is in many ways a memoir for (laughs) Alfonso Cuarón. So this was nominated for Best Picture, I think, like, maybe two years ago? Mm -hmm. Green Book won, which Mm -hmm. I'm still upset about. Black Klansman should have won over Roma, but Roma is, like, a good second place for me. Although I haven't seen all the nominees from that year. I loved it. I thought that it was so well done, like, the cinematography... It's shot in black and white. Um, there's so much imagery going on and all these different illusions. And I gave it five stars. I also gave it five stars. I am also a little biased because I love <laughs> Mexico. And it just was, I don't know, reminded me of so much little Mexican things. And the little Spanish phrases they would use that I could catch or just brought me back. Yeah. I, it's just, it's really deep. There's so many different themes going on. And it's one I was really thinking about a lot after. And actually, you left, and then Deb and I talked about it for, like, an hour and a half after <laughs> oh, you were wow. gone. We watched it edited, so there's a caveat I for that as well. some nudity. Yeah. One thing I thought was super interesting, that it was black and white, usually films about Mexico are, like, really focused on color. Like, that's mm. a big part of Mexico, is the color. Yeah. And so I thought it was really cool that it was black and white, and so you could focus on, like, the story and the the lives of these Mexican people rather than just, yeah. like, I don't know. It, Mexican culture is still a part of it, but it was kind of a different focus than what you might usually expect from a film about Mexico, so I really liked that. Yeah. I feel like there's so much to talk about with Roma, but I don't want to spoil anything, so please go watch it and then come talk to us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Next one is in the category of Western, and it is The Tin Star, and this I chose because it has... Anthony Perkins in it. Yes, That's like the only you? reason. Because it, <laughs> and Henry Fonda. Yes, but. Henry Fonda's also very awesome. But I feel like Anthony Perkins isn't in a lot of movies besides Psycho. Yeah. And so whenever we discover one, it's a little treat. <laughs> and it, it's always fun to see him in a different role. I gave it three and a half. It wasn't my favorite Western I've ever seen, but it was a fun story. It was different. Like, it followed a different storyline than I feel like a lot of typical Westerns do, which I appreciated. And I thought Anthony Perkins and Henry Fonda did a great job as the sheriffs. Oh, I didn't give a, a summary. I guess just... 
Anthony Perkins and the sheriff, Henry Fonda comes to town, and they kind of have to deal with each other and with the other stuff going on with in town. The bad guy who's the same bad guy from That Dark Cat. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and the bad guy from The Good, The Bad, The oh, Ugly. Oh yeah, that's true. Two different people that we're talking about. I feel like you have a lot more authority to talk about this because you've seen a lot more Westerns than I have. <laughs> I gave it three stars. I don't know if I would have loved it as much if it didn't have some of these recognizable people. The actual movie itself wasn't that well done, but the people are really fun to watch. So I would recommend it for Western fans or Anthony Perkins fans, <laughs> which should be everyone. <laughs> everyone is an Anthony Perkins fan. <laughs> Okay, next choice was Pan's Labyrinth. I think I chose this one because also IMDb Top 250. And it's been on our list for a long time. Rachel's wanted me to watch it with her for a long time, but I was always too scared. <laughs> but I'm way past that now. I didn't think it was scary. Yeah, it wasn't as scary as I remembered it too. I think seeing the worst parts ahead of time yeah. helps. Yeah, I had seen a picture of the scary monster, so I kind of knew what he looked like. Yeah. So I knew what to expect, which helped. But it's about a girl during the Spanish Civil War who goes with her mom to some captain's house. It's her stepfather. And she kind of discovers this magical world within it, within the premises. Again, we're giving, like, the most spoiler-free summaries. (laughs) (laughs) To entice you to go watch this. Yes! It's beautiful. Guillermo del Toro is a little bit of a weird... Like, his movies are kind of weird. They're different. I love them. Every one that I've seen. Oof. But yeah, they are beautiful. Really poignant. Like, it makes you think a lot, too. I would want to watch it again just to kind of understand better. Yeah. Oh, I also loved it because it was in Spanish. (laughs) Uh, Although it was... What is it? Castellano or something. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. But I still loved that. I gave it four stars. Mmm. I'm surprised you gave it, that feels like low to me for how much you liked it, but. Yeah, I think it was a little bit too weird for me, maybe. <laughs> and there was some, like, there's a lot of unanswered questions that. Sure. That's, I mean, that's kind of the point, so right. I think about it more, but I usually like it when things are resolved more. Yeah. So that's why I didn't rank it higher, but I still really enjoyed it, and I still would recommend it, especially to Guillermo del Toro fans. Yeah. I gave it five stars. This is my second viewing of it. I, again, for all the reasons that you've stated, I think it's brilliant. It's given me inspiration for a new Halloween costume. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's so cool how it mirrors historically what happens in the Spanish Civil War, and it is very violent, and it's violence that, like, you are supposed to confront and you are not allowed to, like, look away. Like, the camera doesn't pan away from some of the really intense violence. So I don't know that I would recommend it because you it's, like, you, not editable. <laughs> like, I don't think that there's any way to edit it. So know what you're getting into. Just know that it's very violent. It's an incredible film. But if violence is hard for you to watch, then I would probably skip this one. Yeah, I read, actually, that when it came out in Mexico and Spain, all these people were taking their kids to it because oh, it looks no. kind of like Yeah, it's like this movie, fantasy. Yeah. And it stars a girl, like a 13-year-old, 11-year-old girl. Yeah. And so they had to put up posters that were like, this film is violent. <laughs> like, probably not for children. Right? <laughs> yeah, because they don't pay so much attention to ratings. Yeah. Especially in Mexico, so. Yeah. And I don't know if you said this, but this was your pick for the fantasy genre. Oh, so. yes. Fantasy. All right. The next one was Metropolis. Uh, this is my pick for a silent film. It's two and a half hours long, which is probably easily the, the longest silent film that I've ever seen. 
but it didn't feel two and a half hours. Like, I was surprised. I thought it was going to drag a lot more than it did. Although, actually, just yesterday, I found this version of it that someone has slowed it down, and it's almost four hours, so oh. that it's, like, it looks normal. It was weird to watch it, though, because they, like, move at a normal pace instead of the, like, weird... The yeah, it's at 16 frames per second. Yeah, speed. it was yeah. it was cool to watch, but I don't know that I could watch four hours of it. Oh, my, I wouldn't. <laughs> but it's about class differences in a new age city with futuristic technology which it was made in like the late 1920s, so asterisk on that future <laughs> technology. I chose it because it's one that I've wanted to see ever since I took my film class. It's one of the hallmarks of early cinema. It's Fritz Long. I love him. A brilliant example of German Expressionism, and every German Expressionism film I've watched, I've loved, like Nosferatu and Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and M. So it's no surprise that I also absolutely loved this one. I feel like most people think of silent films as like Charlie Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy and like these comedies and these slapsticks and there's a lot of really impressive dramas and social critiques and different stuff like that out there too so um, I would recommend this to people to broaden their understanding of early cinema but also of course for cinephiles or people who love uh, like film history you definitely should watch this one I can't believe it took me so long to watch it <laughs> um I was telling Lauren that when I was in France, there was a museum that had a lot of like early cinema um, props and antiques and different stuff like that. And they had this whole exhibit on Metropolis. And I was like, I know I'll be so mad that I haven't <laughs> seen this and I will want to go back. So maybe it's still there and I can get there after COVID. But anyway, five stars from me. I gave it four and a half. That's just, I think I would give it four as far as how much I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I gave it four that extra half star because I feel like it was really impressive for the time yeah. that it came out of and it just yeah the technology they were imitating mm -hmm. looked really good and uh I did enjoy it. like the story was interesting yeah I feel like it was all there were all these allegories within it that I don't understand I'm gonna have to watch this 50 more times to really <laughs> right. understand what's going on I think after when we like started talking about what was happening in Germany in the 1920s. That helped give some context to it as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is well done, and it's a fun, it's a necessary silent film. Yeah, agree. Um, next one was also me. It was for the comedy genre. I picked The Florida Project, and this is about a mom and daughter living in the projects in Florida. I picked it because um, Ryan Hatch loved it. I, it was like one of his favorite films from a few years ago, and so it's always kind of been on my list of things to watch and I really liked it. It's very hard. <laughs> there are a lot of like really heavy themes and whew, I I don't know. I haven't stopped thinking about it since we watched it a few days ago. Like there's so many things that I keep going back to and thinking about and I feel like so I gave it four and a half stars then. I feel like now that I've been thinking about it for like two, three days later, I'd probably give it five stars. I gave it four. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was beautifully done. Uh, cinematography was so good. I loved the kids. Yes, they're incredible the, in it. The improvisation of the children, it just feels so real. Like, yeah. they're just being children, and it's so fun to watch them. It's They're so funny. And I loved Willem Dafoe. Yes! I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, and he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this one. And, yeah, the colors were beautiful. But, yeah, I mostly just super enjoyed the kids' performances. Yeah. I would really recommend it. It's very heavy. The children are brilliant, like you said. It's also really funny. Like, yeah, it is. I want to watch it again, almost just for 
the kids and what they say and their <laughs> antics. Um, there's a lot of language in it, so there's a caveat for that. But I, it's one that I really, really enjoyed and will probably return back to. Okay, and the last pick that it. we watched this morning. I know, we're fresh. <laughs> um, was The Lighthouse in the category of thriller or horror. Yeah, note that Lauren already, she claimed all of her genres before I did, so she stole the thriller and horror from <laughs> I didn't me. want you to pick one that was worse than this. <laughs> so it's about a lighthouse keeper and then a new, as far as I understood, yeah, <laughs> a new guy like a secondary lighthouse keeper, like the kind of underneath the first one, that are kind of on this lighthouse island and trying to do their work and stay sane, and they don't stay sane. (laughs) And I gave it three and a half stars. Same. It was a little bit too weird for me. (laughs) I think it was, or too artsy for me. Like, it was really cool, like black and white they really played with, like, the darkness and the light with yeah. the lighthouse. It was really yeah. cool, which I really appreciated. But, like, there was a lot of symbolism and stuff. And, and it was hard to understand Willem a lot. Yeah, he and, was, like... And even Robert sometimes. He was speaking a different, like, seaman language. <laughs> it was English, but it was all these words that are not used normally. <laughs> yeah, like, I think I would need to watch it with subtitles, probably. Because, yeah, they have weird... I could not figure out Robert Pattinson's accent either. Like, sometimes they right? sounded like he was from New Jersey. Yeah. And some... I think it's in England, though. Yeah, I don't know if I would recommend it, honestly. It's yeah. It's kind of weird. I'd recommend it for people who want to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it does a really good job at putting you in their own heads. Get putting you in their perspective and not in like oh I understand this person completely but you like you're, you're also going crazy with them and the sound that was probably my favorite part besides the, mm-hmm. the light in the dark like the use of sound was amazing like the, to put the you ticking on was yeah. always going on and so that was really cool so I guess I'm like oh I didn't hate it I'm glad I've, I've seen it mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of A Quiet Place in that way where like that is all about sound and that and like going into sound design and thinking about that and how sound affects character psyche or you understand a character's perspective through sound. That's what I was thinking about a lot was like how much sound influenced mm-hmm. the overall feeling. I picked it because it stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. They're the only two actors in the whole movie. Well, right. Except for uh, oh, there's like a There are like a few people that show up in flashes. They don't even talk though. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> mostly these two guys and I'm a big fan of both of them so that's why I wanted to watch it. Yeah. And I actually thought they did an incredible they really did they they were awesome so yes would recommend if you are fans of them (laughs) yes and it it was funny because i was looking at kind of what it was about and every all the google searches about it was like why is it so weird is it weird (laughs) like (laughs) is it just me or is it weird (laughs) so okay so that was our cinema recap now we're gonna do our actually i did say top three at the beginning of the episode we're gonna do five So counting backwards, my fifth pick was Pan's Labyrinth. Since I'd already seen it before, it kind of got a lower ranking, but I love it. So, number five. My number five is Grave of the Fireflies. Mmm. It just was... It hit me. It was the only one that made me cry. Wow. I cried during a lot of these films. (laughs) I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Did I cry during Grave of the Fireflies? I must have. How could you not? I think I did. Everybody was crying. Um, Okay, number four is Temple Grandin. Uh, my number four was Roma. Mm, okay. Number three was Roma. 
Number three was The Prestige. Really? Mm-hmm. I love Christian Bale. <laughs> a film I did not cry in. <laughs> no, I need to go back and see it. Every film I that didn't... I cried in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, number two was Ordinary People. Mine was also Ordinary People. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, how exciting. Number one is Florida Project. My number one is Temple Grandin. Oh, I'm so pleased about that. <laughs> I just felt so happy after watching it. It's a that good movie. one. I feel like it it does a good job. It's like a feel good film, but it also has a lot to think about and yeah. explores some harder topics at the same time. Right. Yeah, and I went and looked her up and read watched her TED Talk. She's stuff. incredible. I was yes. So intrigued. We are fans. Okay. So uh, guest episodes are on their way. Um, if you are interested in being a guest, let us know. Um, I'm thinking we're probably going to start releasing a second episode each month. Um, so we're always going to do a strictly business, which is just you and me. <laughs> that's a Godfather so shout out. Strict. <laughs> no, it's just because that's a Godfather reference. Nothing because personal. Strictly just business. business. Yeah. But then if we uh, have guests, we'll probably release a second episode. Um, but next month will be a continuation of our movie alphabet. You took the words right out of my mouth, PJ. Oh yeah. See you next time. My picks is Roma. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. <laughs> okay. Roma starts crying. Roma. <laughs> That's what I thought you were doing. Just emotional. <laughs> Overcome. <laughs> I don't know. Should we just go alternate back and forth by reading? Wait, is we... that your third? No, I, I do. Do you want me to put these in oh, no. order of how they are? I just kind of picked three. Oh, I want to pick five. <laughs> <laughs>